we address this. The Comrade President Cyril Ramaphosa, when he delivered the State of the Nation address in February, that's why he said, in a hundred days there must be agreed a comprehensive social compact to address these matters. Nothing has happened. Nothing. So how's it guys welcome back to freedom fanatics where your freedom is worth fighting for as always i'm joined by my esteemed colleagues tiejo and sholen boyson today is coming in with some some formal uh, terminology today uh because we're discussing some very serious matters of course guys remember to follow us at badge of liberty subscribe and like this show uh let's make it grow guys today we gave you a bit of a sneak peek there uh, about what we're going to headline with today, and that is comments from former President Mr. Thabo Mbeki, uh, who is addressing uh, a, a, a crowd at the memorial of the... Uh, Jesse Duarte was... What was her role, Tiago? She was the... She was the Deputy Secretary General of the ANC. Then once Ace Mahashile had to step away, she took up the role of becoming an acting... Secretary General, sure. Okay, cool. So, so yeah, Secretary Jen, she's been she's been a part of uh, the ANC for for many many years, um, and she mm. passed away uh, from cancer um, in last week. Um, so I'm going to play the full clip now, uh, just to go through exactly what Mbeki said, because uh, it is quite damning. Uh, let's let's have a watch. Correctly, the movement says that we face with challenges of unemployment, of poverty, inequality. Very correct. In terms of our commitment to serve the people, we have to address those issues. But the fact of the matter, comrades, is that as I'm standing here, as we're sitting, one of us here, we do not have an agreed national plan to address these challenges. We don't have it. There is no national plan to address these challenges of poverty, unemployment, inequality. It doesn't exist. I'm saying to service, to serve the people, it requires that we, we, we address this. The Comrade President Cyril Ramaphosa when he delivered the State of the Nation address in February, that's why he said, in a hundred days, there must be agreed a comprehensive social compact to address these matters. Nothing has happened. Nothing. Yeah. So 
there we have it. Nothing has happened. Tiago, your thoughts? Nothing has happened indeed. I remember quite well Cyril Ramaphosa mentioning that he is bringing in some business person into his office um, earlier this year. And within 100 days, they would indeed come up with a social compact plan of how South Africa can be taken forward, right? But as I recall, I think I think what he said actually was that over 100 days, the person would be working on that plan, then present it to him, then he would present it to the nation. But mm. there hasn't been any communication up to so far. The country is falling apart. Unemployment is going up. Crime is going up. Really, we are heading into a disaster. And we, the country does seem to be on autopilot, uh, on an autopilot mood, like Chabombeki did mention part of that speech. So he's very much correct. Uh, Something is cooking, but really we can't feel the heat at all. Mm. Uh, the pots are just in the kitchen, no heat at all. We can't smell anything, but yeah, we know that the pots are in the kitchen. That's all we know. <laughs> I think the pots are, are cooking on the tires that are burning in the streets of Durban at the moment. Um, but uh, Sholin, he's, Mbeki, Mbeki refers to obviously the, the trifecta of uh, uh, problems in poverty, unemployment and inequality. Um, what, um, what do you think has been done? I mean, Ramaphosa has been in power for, uh, what's it, four, four years, just come under four years since 20, mm -hmm. you know, ANC president since 2017, president since 2019, you know, three years. Um, a lot of plans, load shedding's at its, at its lowest, at its highest, I guess, uh, electricity generation at its lowest. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Mbeki's comments? Yeah, no, I think um, for a former president um, of the ANC and of South Africa to um, blatantly call out um, the leadership, essentially, of his own party is, uh, it, it's a major thing. Um, I don't think it should be easily looked over because he called out and he essentially said that the people of his party, the ANC, have clearly failed South Africans and um, we are currently living under the consequences of it. Um, with, with our current president, um, Ramaphosa, once again last night, um, he gave a speech on the way forward um, that he's planning on, you know, what? He once again relieving South Africa from load shedding. Mm. Um, once again, in classic Ramaphosa style, he made all the right um, comments, all the right statements, um, you know, that we need to privatize um, electricity generation and so forth. And all of these things are going to happen. But as Mbeki clearly illustrated in his example, is that um, a timeline is given for these things, but in reality, um, the timeline is not matched up with action, um, mm. essentially. And that is what we experience constantly. Um, grand plans are offered to us. Um, you know, our ears are tickled um, by the sounds of the voices in media and so forth. But eventually, South Africans are just seeing another decline um, in the living standards in this country. Um, and we know that, you know, plans are nice and all, but they need to be followed up by productive action, Alex. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think basically what uh, Mbeki was saying was that... It's a that... bunch of losers who don't have got any respect for this country, have got any respect for anybody. Couldn't have said it better myself, but Tioko, let's, uh, let's actually just touch on uh, for a bit here. Um, you know, the, obviously the poli policies and the people have failed to, or whatever policies there have been. Um, maybe we should be grateful that some of these policies uh, to address inequality and 
and unemployment have failed. Um, but let's think, you know, in an ideal world, what are some some maybe uh, off, off the top of your head, some, some ways that we could look at addressing something like poverty from a policy perspective? And let's try and draw a connection between how policies affect, uh, you know, people on the ground. Yeah. Well, from a policy perspective, the essential thing would, would be to give more power to the private sector and less power to the state. So whatever policies you come up with must be policies that, that speak to that and policies that afford opportunities to everyone in the country beyond racial classifications, beyond uh, gender classifications and stuff of that nature. So you'd get rid of BE, for example, instead of empowering people with jobs, you would empower them with knowledge and skills and then they have to compete with everyone else for jobs. Then you get to have the most competent people working in the government, regardless of race, regardless of gender. Number two, what what you could do again, let's say in relation to ESCOM. Yesterday, the president gave his speech here and there. Yes, they are privatizing, opening up the market a bit, but they are not really op- opening the market because ESCOM remains the single player within the market and they don't really want to open the market up to everyone. So what you could do in such an instance is to open up the the electricity market to everyone to to participate in, just as we have done with telecom, right? You have telecom as a state-owned company that's competing with your MTNs, that's competing Mm. with your Vodacoms, that's competing with everyone else. So if they truly wanted to deal with these things, one of the things they could do in the electricity sector is to open up the market, keep ESCOM if you want to keep it, but allow other people to play in the market let there be competition amongst these companies that supply electricity. And if ESCOM indeed gets its story correct and fixes everything, people want to buy from ESCOM electricity, that's perfect. But if people feel that ah, ESCOM is not doing the right thing, we want to go to another service provider, that should be opened up as well. This thing of opening a bit of portions, uh, smaller than a portions, we are going to allow you to come a little bit mm. here and there, it really doesn't work and it's not... It's not how we can move forward. So the essential thing as far as policies are concerned, open up the market, let there be competition. If government wants to continue operating its businesses, that's fine. But let the businesses compete with all other private businesses. That's perfectly fine. That will motivate ESCOM and other public uh, institutions to get their story correct and start working hard as well, because then they'll be competing with other people who are doing their job correctly. So what needs to happen essentially is that you need to free the market as much as possible. Mm. So yeah, yeah, different players can play in the market. Mm, absolutely. I mean, Sholin, that that's obviously from a, I think it's specifically from an energy perspective and that's that's what's really topical at the moment following uh, President Ramaphosa's address last night. Um, but for you, Sholin, one, any any other thoughts on, on policy directions or part, programs we could implement um, maybe we can start get get people thinking. You know, maybe a post twenty twenty four world. You know, what kind of policies can we can people sort of look to support um, to overcome these these issues? Yeah, like even the issue Diego just mentioned, um, or whether it's um, incompetence in our major governmental institutions or state institutions. At its core, there is a skills deficit. I think. Um, people are clearly just not capable of um, running these institutions effectively. Mm. Um, and one of the ways I think, and it's probably the most crucial one for me, is when it comes down to education. Um, because if you do not have an educated um, 
population, how can you expect um, any of them to have the um, necessary skills or whatever the case may be to actually keep this country um, running, functioning? Um, and that's why I think um, investment into um, our education system is not enough because we already give so much money um, into that, um, you know, sector of our society. But something that um, like the Institute of Relations, um, you know, um, suggests is that we should actually follow a policy called um, um, the school voucher um, system, um, where we actually, instead of funding, you know, being disappearing in through the bureaucratic channels and through the education department mm -hmm. and money just going all the way to, uh, missing, we should actually instead be giving um, funds uh, in the form of vouchers um, to families where families have the ability to, um, you know, choose schools where they want to send their kids, um, schools that are not breaking apart and falling sure, like the um with infrastructure. Um, but actually to private institutions, private schools who have actually shown that, you know what, they are cost effective. Um, they are here actually to improve the performance of students and not just steal money. Um, and that is something that we should definitely be looking into the direction of, um, especially for poor, um, um, underfunded, um, yeah, disadvantaged communities and people. And that's why I think that is something that will go a long way if we actually mm. want to, you know, set the um, future generations up for success. Um, no, and if the government is really serious about fixing this country, that's where they'll start, um, I think. No, absolutely. And I think as we saw last week with that clip from the ANC's Gauteng conference, uh, provincial conference, where they literally said in their own words that, they're here to chow and they're losing out with every metro they lose. They're losing more and more billions to further their uh, national democratic revolution of taking South Africa into delightful socialist utopia. But guys, let's, let, let's channel this, this conversation towards, uh, some fan content that, uh, our, our colleague, uh, Simo Zulu has, has written. Simo, uh, just some background guys. Simo is a student at, at UKZN. He's a law student. Um, and he joined us this year, um, as, as an intern and he's been writing for us quite a lot this year um, and we we look to working with him in the future and he wrote this piece uh, a couple of weeks ago actually last a month a month ago um titled south africa's low voter turnout is low laughing matter five crucial takeaways now guys this is really where the rubber hits the road um in terms of acting on on these issues dealing with politicians who are there just to chow um Tioko, i'm going to start with you um so uh, Simon lists five issues in this in this article. The one is he just points out the trend that voter turnout continues to decline. He then goes on to talk about the youth vote specifically, um, and then the correlation between the, the how uh, what's going on in the country, how that affects voter behavior, um, and so on and so on. What what what's uh, your your one uh, maybe point from from this piece or, or overall, overall thoughts on what Simo's written? Well, my overall thoughts around what Simo has written would be that choosing, for example, the, the, the fundamental crisis here is that people are not participating in elections, right? Uh, but that in and of itself, people not choosing to participate in, in elections is a political stance, is a political move, is, is in a way a participation in elections. It's not an active participation, but you have decided to stay away. And in a democracy that... Uh, ultimately influences 
who comes into government at the end of the day. Mm. So what I would say is that I think what's, what's essential, I think more people coming in and voting is very important, but the most essential thing would be that those, even if in their few numbers who participate to in elections should be voting for the right, for the right reasons, right? Mm. They should be voting for service delivery, not voting because someone you know from your street or whatever is contesting in elections or because this person belongs to your organization, even though you don't believe in their competency. Mm. I think that, yeah, I don't think the fundamental question, the fundamental crisis in South Africa is necessarily that people are not participating in elections, but that those who are participating are voting for people who don't necessarily have the mm. best interest of the people in the country at heart. Mm. So mm. That's, that's, that's really my general take around this, that, yeah, mm. it, it, it continues to be democracy choosing to stay away. But if you are staying away because you are unhappy with the government of the day, whether it's the Western Cape, uh, the DA government in the Western Cape, or the ANC government at mm. national level, or EFF government, wherever they are governing, or whoever else, really, not choosing to, to, to participate in those elections is in itself a, a participation. Mm. A stay away is in itself a participation. So we should we should really be concerned about those who are participating but voting for people who are not, who don't have the best interest of the people at heart yet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I think uh, political parties have a lot of. Uh, I think next year is going to be an interesting year. There's a lot of ground to be covered by political mm -hmm. parties next year. Um, but Sholin, the one thing, the one thing I just want to touch on here is just, um, you know, the, the clear like how of as Tiago says, of, uh, not voting is also a vote. Um, mm -hmm. But I think there's also this, as as Seymour points out in his article, he says that you know people not vote is the dominant idea in their minds is that. Uh, there's nothing, nothing will change. What good is my vote? Um, do you think that's, I think, especially among people in our age demographic, that's quite a pervasive idea. Um, what are your mm. thoughts around that? Yeah, Alex, if you can maybe just bring up the um, article mm. real quick. Um, under point number two, um, you raised an important point just there now. Um, if I remember correctly, Simo in the article states that um, between the ages of 18 and 20, um, yeah, those are the people aged between 18 and 20 have the lowest voter turnout of all the age groups in the country. Um, my a scary concern for me there is that what if everybody um, up beyond those ages are no longer here with us um, mm. and the seniors, the adults in the room are going to be our 18 to 28 year olds um, and we are not the ones engaging in our political process and we're leaving it up to the all of the hyenas and those, as Diego likes to mention, those who like to chow are the ones in in, um, in control of our purse strings. That is a rather scary future to envision for this country. Hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, this eventually going to reach a point where the, the our current 18 to 20 to 30 year olds are going to be the decision makers in this country. We are going to be the ones who, you know, determine the success or the failure of this country. And we are mm. going to have to sit with the consequences of the people making the decisions right now. Um, so for us to sit on the sidelines and be spectators is honestly not an option. My guy, we need to be playing the games. Um, whether you want to be a defender or a striker, you need to be doing something. Um, if you want to be a water boy on election day, <laughs> you have to do something, my guy. And I think that's a really um, important um, mm. direction for us to follow because I really do not see um, uh, South Africa where that's sustainable, that's a success without our youth right now. 
And mm. if we really want to make sure that this country is um, progressing in a proper direction, mm. our, we need to step up to the plate. No, absolutely. And I think also that, you know, we often hear, we, we get preached at this, this idea that, you know, you're the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> leaders aside, you're also going to probably want to raise a family or, or at least yes. grow old. Just think about what kind of uh, society you want to, if you want to actually have a say in that yeah. future, Sholin. You want the job opportunity one day once you're done with school. When You, you want an opportunity for uh, proper education. Um, that is things that we all want to pursue. You want the right to own property one day. I mean, currently yeah. there's discussions on property rights being taken away. You know what yeah. I mean? Like these are things we want and the battle for it is taking place right now. So we yeah. can't wait until later to engage. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, no, no, I was just about to say that for me, I think the the most crucial thing for me is that I'd love to see a South Africa whereby people who vote for the right reasons uh, really do participate in elections. Uh, it could be that someone could be 18, uh, between the ages of 18 and 20 participate in elections, but really uh, assist in bringing a trashy government into place. I mean, as 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 Shulin was speaking now, I was reflecting mm. and thinking about myself at the age of eighteen and who I would have probably voted for at that age. Uh, although I was young, but I would have brought in a terrible government. So I think for me, it's, it's it's it's. I just hope that the people who vote for the right reasons, whether you are eighty years old, thirty years old, twenty, whatever, really, mm. do come out and vote twenty twenty four, twenty twenty nine moving forward of course it's a democracy everyone else should, should participate in the elections but the question of youngness for me uh, uh, is not at the center of everything because young people could be young and very irresponsible with their votes so i do hope that those who are voting for the right reasons service delivery who can identify who the best people who can deliver services to us are do participate, whether they are 80 years old, 60 years old. Mm. And I hope, but I shouldn't be saying this, of course, I hope that those who are young, who are going to bring us a crazy government, uh, if they want to stay away, that's, 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 that's good for the country and its future. Uh, that, that, that's my general take around the matter, really, that we really need for responsible people who understand why voting is important, who understand how voting links to service delivery, how it links to us having a, a, a economic growth, having mm. jobs in the country, uh, how, how all of that links do participate in elections moving forward, sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I think that's spot on. And I think we speak of chowing at the moment, uh, we're chowing into Mbali's time for burning questions. But before <laughs> I hand over to her, I just want to share some good news. Got to end off on a, on a good note. Um, and that is Banyana Banyana won the Women's African Cup of Nations on the weekend, which is which is some great stuff, leading yeah. by example. So let's just have a quick, quick uh, squiz at some of the scenes uh, from the weekend. Lizamini is there as well. The president, Dr. Patrice Mutsepe, who's inviting the other dignitaries, including Fatma Samora, the first general secretary of FIFA, secretary general of FIFA from Africa. Trophy presented to South Africa. Their character so severely tested through guts, they have achieved glory. Your champions of the Women's African Cup of Nations, Morocco 2022, South Africa. There, 
There you have it, guys. So ending off on a good note here. Uh, and on that note, let us dive into burning questions with Mbali. Hi guys, hi Alex, hi Sholin Poison, hi Diego. Hi everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Burning Questions, guys. And you guys did really end on a very, you know, positive note. Like that. Like that. So guys, today on Burning Questions, um, we are looking at a video from one of our own, Mr. Sholin Poison. I think I know why he has the surname on, you know, because today is his show. It's all about you, Sholin. <laughs> And we're going to look at his TikTok video um, where he's speaking about how communism will destroy South Africa. Um, so it's about to play now. ...dignities of millions of people. The South African Communist Party are now looking to abandon the ANC and stand for elections by themselves. Turn South Africa into a communist country who destroy our nation. What are your thoughts surrounding this issue? And let us know in the comment section below. Cool. Despite communism failing across the world and causing the deaths of millions of people, the South African Communist Party are now looking to abandon the ANC and stand for elections by themselves. Turn South Africa into a communist country who destroy our nation. What are your thoughts surrounding this issue? And let us know in the comment section below. Cool. So I let him play twice so that you guys can really get what he's talking about. <laughs> Um, yes. And yeah, Sholin, uh, maybe tell us uh, your thoughts around your own video. Let's start there. Yeah, so um, the issue that I was speaking on was rather important, um, especially mm. with the South African Communist Party being a crucial, um, you know, ally. Is that the word mm. um, to use with the ANC? Um, they have influenced the ANC's internal politics, um, policy direction, decision-making of the ANC. Um, as we've seen across like our democracy and even before then as well. Um, so yeah. if we really want to see, you know, what, what's the engine and the philosophy um, of the ANC, we need to look at this ally of theirs um, that yeah. is very prominent with regards to communism and wants to turn South Africa into a communist country. Um, which we've seen fail across the world. Um, I yeah. do not want to live in Venezuela or Cuba or North Korea, guys. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. about you, but yeah, I like my freedom a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, let's get right into the comments. And um, the first one is from Gunzima Mshabeni, which basically translates to it's very hard in the world. <laughs> it's very difficult. Definitely agree. And... Um, he says they will never, they've been bucking about this for some time. Um, Diego, have they been telling us uh, stories that don't exist? Yeah, no, they've been bucking about this uh, for some time. And some of the uh, some of the people who are part of that alignment, of course, what's his name again? His name is Jimmy 
Well, I forgot Jim, Ivan Jim. People like Ivan Jim did participate in elections as 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 as, commun- as a communist party, and they failed terribly in all elections that they participated in. Mm. So I do hope that mm. even if the SACP does decide to participate in and of itself in elections, that they will fail. And yeah. but really, they they will fail because they have nothing to offer really at this point. All 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 mm. all all that South African communists really have to offer at this point are dividing racial uh, statements, dividing gender statements, uh, nonsensical uh, uh, labor labor laws and stuff of that nature. I don't think that the majority of South Africans will be in support of uh, them, even if they were to contest for elections. I think that the majority of South Africans are really, the silent majority really subscribes to what we subscribe to, classical liberalism, although they may not know it, that it's, it's, it's classical liberalism directly, but the principles and values that the majority of South Africans hold really align with classical liberalism, our country's constitution, and stuff of mm-hmm. that nature, whereas communism really doesn't align with our country's constitution because communists want to control, want to look at people as groups, whereas the constitution looks at people as individuals who, yeah. who, who yeah, can make contributions at, at an individual level. So I, I, I don't think that they would succeed in South Africa, at least not at this point in time. With everything falling apart, I think that South Africans are waking up little and little and do want to have a state that will give them more freedom as opposed to a state that will take uh, their freedom away as individuals so uh, they can participate i don't think they'll be successful if anything they'll divide the anc's votes which would be great mm. because then yeah. it'll open up uh, the political market to other parties to gain votes and yeah get us closer to a coalition government so if they do go for it very good let them do it divide ANC votes great bring us in a new government in 2024 2029 sure mm. amazing i i hope they, they heard that go for it guys full support <laughs> I, I think um, I think that's what Clements is saying in, in the comments mm, as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. that's kind of spot on. Definitely. Um, and then Paul says it it feels like we're in a communist state. Alex, does it feel like you're in a com? Okay, are you in a communist state? Damn. <laughs> you're in a different. <laughs> okay, pretend as if you're with us. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, so I, I I mean, there's there's certainly. There's certainly uh, whiffs of it in uh, in mm. South Africa for sure. Yeah. Um. And I think and I think this is an important point, and I think it's something that it's maybe that a lot of youngsters don't understand. It's quite nitty gritty politics, but like how how the tripartite alliance um, mm-hmm. sort of governs the country. It's a combination of Kasatu, the SACP, and the ANC. So and then like we discussed last week on Freedom Fanatics, how you know, the, the ANC basically uses the state coffers to uh, fund their national de- de- democratic revolution. That in itself is a communist document. It's a manifesto mm. in essence. And so that's the nirvana that, that we be, are being taken to. Um, mm. And that's when you start seeing like these kind of policies, like something like, for example, a uh, high minimum wage, those kind mm. of things, they might not think it but that's sort of yeah. slowly leading you down the path escom these state-run enterprises without opening the market expropriation without compensation mm. proposals for a national health insurance these are all socialist and communist ideas so i i, I totally agree with paul she's um not wrong yeah definitely um and patty has gone dotty says let me know when i must take over 
Maybe. I, th- I think they will lead us. Petty now. will lead us to greener pastures. Please. Now, <laughs> we need you now, Petty. <laughs> um, and Rian says, um, isn't China communist? And isn't that the reason for their wealth? Sholem? Sure. That's actually a difficult mm. one to tackle. And we need a whole episode for that. But what I will say on this is that China is a communist um, state um, ideologically. Mm-hmm. But in practice, we actually see that they practice some form of state capitalism um, where okay. they try to centralize um, the you know economic operations of the country. And you know what? Achieving wealth, as we know, you can achieve a lot of the ANC members, they achieve wealth. Um, but the way they do it, is not is not sustainable um it's not um ethical in my view at least and what we see in china is that um the people who actually do have um wealth you want to know it is it's actually the communist party leaders um ordinary people that are living in um what we would call townships are not experiencing any of that wealth that they supposedly um generate um, and one thing that you also need to be careful in with communism is that communism has this um, trade-off with it. Or like, um, look, we can give you this utopia, as Alex was speaking of. Like, we mm. can give you this utopia where everything is perfect. But in order for you to get this utopia, you have to give off all your freedoms. Um, mm. You need to sacrifice um, your ability to lead your own life. Um, and something that we see um, practically that practically playing out in um, China is where they have this surveillance state. Um, where everything you do is monitored by the government, um, everything that you decide, every transaction that you make, um, they want to be in control of it and give you a right off um, for what it, for what you're actually able to do. And eventually you reach the point where you're mm-hmm. North Korea, where you can't even leave the country. Um, you have to be poor and suffering and you can't even That's run good. away from the country. They won't even allow you to do that. So Dude. suggesting that... Um, China's wealth, in whatever case, we also need to look at the specifics of it um, and yeah. the dangers that lie going in that direction. Mm, okay, I think you, you've, you've answered Rian very well. I think he'll change <laughs> his mind after this. Um, um, Melville Lotta says, the youth of today are not stupid. And I think this is what Diego was saying earlier on, that South Africans are actually, you know, their minds have, have, have are changing slowly but surely. And I hope 2024 will see something new. Um, someone says define communism. Alex, would you mind defining communism for them? Mm, sure. Uh, essentially, communism is where the state has full control over the economy. Mm. I think that's probably mm. the simplest way I can put it in, in terms. So if you start thinking in terms in those terms about South Africa, obviously we have a democracy. Um, but mm. that's how you see sort of communism coming in. So I think, yeah, maybe for context for yo or you, um, <laughs> that's how we that's how we look at it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Jordan, you can jump in. Uh, to add on to Alex, yeah, that is what communism is with the economic control. And we see the ANC is currently pursuing that. But eventually mm-hmm. we're going to see um, social control, which is where they tell you um, which religion you can practice. The state will mm. tell you um, who you can marry and who you cannot. Um, they will also probably tell you, like in China, where they tell you how many kids you are allowed to have. <laughs> so I that think that will help South Africa a bit. <laughs> we're told how many kids we should have. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a start. <laughs> but that's essentially the dangerous part where, where communism goes. It goes from economic control and eventually mm-hmm. you get social control as well. And yeah. that is um, very reminiscent of apartheid days, if you actually think mm-hmm. about it. 
definitely. Um, Mr. Diego, user 83 blah, 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 says communism doesn't destroy government. Anti-communism does. Communism doesn't destroy government. Anti-communism. Mm-hmm. Very much correct. This is very much correct to a certain extent. Right. And that is the whole point mm-hmm. that it gives government more power. And that's not what we want. We want the power to truly be in the people's hands, not in the hands of the government. So what communism does is that it gives the government the power to control people's lives even in bedrooms Mm. like shonen has mentioned it can get as far as the bedrooms telling you what to do in your bedroom who you can sleep with who you can sleep with how many kids you can have how many kids you cannot have but if you look at china as an example for example if you look at china as an example people are forced to work insane hours that side they are locked into factories so china does have wealth but how do we get how did they get to that wealth yeah you go into a factory in china you find workers locked into a factory for 16 hours being forced to produce goods like they are not human beings like they are machines of some sort that that cannot be it let's Mm. find ways of growing the economy without necessarily compromising people's human rights now you cannot have communism without compromising people's individual rights, without compromising people's human rights. And that's exactly where the crisis is, that the government gets too much power around that. But the one thing that I hate the most about communism is that because all of the power is centered around the government, you really as a country depend on your success as individuals within the country, whether you have food or not at the end of the day, really depends on who the politician at the top is. If today you have a politician who's a hard worker, who really cares about you guys, even within the context of that communism, make sure that the economy functions, then people will have food. But if one day you wake up with a president like Zuma in China, who's there to steal everything, then it affects everyone and you all, Mm. uh, 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 your lifestyles are all affected simply because Mm. there's one individual at the top who decided to take the wrong turn. So the whole thing is that we must, countries must be structured in such a manner that not a single individual can determine whether the people will have food the next day or not. People Mm -hmm. and their own hard work should be able to allow them to put food on their tables or not, whether you have a good politician or not. That's that's mm-hmm. essential point that for me. Mbali, could I could I just yes. add on to to, to what Tiago saying? I know we mm-hmm. we run times running away with us here, but I think yeah. what what, what Tiago says there about people being able to feed themselves and their families is super important mm-hmm. because an example yeah. of of communism from history that is very very pertinent to that is and obviously with what's going on in Ukraine now is in 1932 uh, to 1933 there was a huge famine. In Ukraine mm. uh, called mm. the Holodomor and that killed I think between three and a half to five million people and the reason mm. ultimately why that happened was because um, the who, who was, was it Stalin Lenin uh, one of those Stalin, Stalin mm-hmm. basically mm. as a dictator wanted to replace Ukraine's small farms with state-run collectives and mm. we hear the word collective very often in South African jargon yeah and punish yeah. independent-minded Ukrainians that who pose a threat to his totalitarian authority. So we've got to look at history when mm. we start flirting with these very, very dangerous ideas. Yeah, no, and, definitely. And yet you have so many young people in South Africa who celebrate Stalin. You go into the African National Congress Youth, there's mm. a lady called Changi, I think. 
she might be contesting to become the next ANC youth uh, president. And, and they call her mm. comrade Stalin. She's always wearing a, a, a Stalin hat, always wearing a hat with the former president of Cuba again. Well, I forgot what his uh, name is. Such yeah, oh, such people. Castro, did, Castro, I think. Yeah, Castro, Fidel Castro, and Che Che Cavo, or, or whoever they call him, really. You have such people who are celebrating these people who think these are revolutionaries and stuff of that nature, and it links back to that to that point I made that being youth does not necessarily entail that you are progressive. Some people like yeah. this ones, yeah, like your Tangis yeah. and your Malaika Azandias, your Andilam Kutamas, people who celebrate such people. There's a lot of them really in the country are young but not progressive at all so yeah i think that's 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 the danger of uh us necessarily thinking that young people are, are, are progressive and yeah we need to prioritize yeah. this, this particular principles and values rather than age and stuff of that nature sure cool Sholen, any last thoughts before we end up um no i will absolutely just agree with the what the who says there um um, I know we're out of time, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you, I would rather want my success and my country to be to be based on freedom and mm. liberty than for it to be based on us being slaves to um, a communist government. And mm -hmm. the options here are really clear. Um, yeah. So if anybody yeah. suggests anything to you that, you know what, um, you should know we need to give more government control about what we do in our private in a private. Um, and in our and in the public sphere, um, if mm. anybody suggests that uh, the state should interfere in those type of things, that is going in the direction of um, a dangerous state control. And mm. everything that we do, everything we should champion for, every party that we should vote for, um, most mm. importantly, should champion the freedom of the individual. And yeah. that's just yeah, that's mm. the last thought from you, Mbali. Oh, definitely. That was a nice closing show. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Um, and do remember to follow us on all social media platforms at Pleasure of Liberty. And yeah, guys, we appreciate you um, interacting with our content. And yeah, keep going. Let's keep these conversations um, going. Thank you.